From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. An alarming increase in the suicide rate in America has been, become apparent over the past two decades. And today I'll be talking with two people who are working on suicide prevention efforts. Here with me in the HealthLink on Air studios is Dr. Sitha Ramanathan, a clinical instructor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Upstate. And by telephone is Dr. Jay Carruthers, who is the Director of Suicide Prevention in the State Office of Mental Health in Albany. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, both of you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Amber. So let's begin with the numbers. Um, is it true that New York State actually has the lowest suicide rate in the country, Dr. Carruthers? Uh, it is, yeah. So the most recent CDC data is from 2017, and so of all the 50 states, New York State is the lowest um, at 8.1 per 100,000. Okay. Now, but we've seen increases overall in the rate of suicide across the nation. Have we seen that in all age groups, or is there a particular category of person that we're most concerned with? Um, just about all age groups. This has been, so you're absolutely right, there has been a rise in the nation and in New York State. If you look at um, over the last uh, one to two decades, there's been a slow, steady increase. Um, and it's it just impacted just about every age group. Um, there are concerns about specific age groups um, sort of rising um, faster. Mm -hmm. um, historically, um, uh, for instance, um, males have a much higher rate of suicide than females, um, and you know just about um, three of out of, uh, three of four suicides uh, are male. Uh, there's been concerns that um, female rates are um, closing that gap. Um, another group that's been highlighted also is black youth. Uh, historically, again, black youth had uh, uh, blacks in general have had lower uh, suicide rates than. Um, other racial ethnic groups. So, um, but um, the latest kind of epidemiology suggests that um, they have been rising at, at higher rates, but it has impacted just about every group. I read recently that suicide is now the second lead of leading cause of death among Americans from age 10 to 24. And that kind of surprised me that that young, age 10. Yeah, that, that certainly is a really disturbing trend in the epidemiology is that you're seeing, you know, it used to be um, unheard of really mm -hmm. to see suicide deaths um, at the age of 10 or, or under, um, but now it's happening with more frequency. Um, and it's certainly one of the more troubling aspects of, uh, uh, of the trend. Has there been research on the, the methods of suicide and how are people killing themselves? Um, absolutely. That's really a, um, uh, a focal point in a lot of the research is um, looking at methods. And um, when you look nationally, about 50% of all suicides are fire firearm-related. Um, and But when you look at New York State, the rate is less than a third are firearm-related. And, and so nationally, firearms by far is the number one um, means that's used uh, involving suicides. And... Um, Again, New York is less than a third, actually. Um, hanging is, is more common in New York State. And this disparity, um, the fact that we don't have as many firearm-related um, 
suicide deaths is one of the factors that suggested uh, as to why New York would have a lower rate um, than other states. Interestingly, when you when you look at uh, particularly if you pull out New York City um, suicides and look just at the rest of the state, it starts to look a little bit more like the rest of the country. So about 40% of suicide deaths for the rest of the state are firearm related. Um, but um, absolutely, the means at which people die, uh, I think often people, there's a lot of interest in why people reach that decision. Why would they do that? How did they reach that decision? But um, the, the emphasis on means is um, important for a couple reasons because um, the lethality. So um, you don't really get a second chance when you're using a firearm. Uh, you rarely get a second chance if, if you're hanging. Um, so, uh, so um, you know, many people may have a, a suicide attempt, but they're less likely to die if they, if they um, overdose on medications or even, um, you know, superficial uh, cutting. Uh, is, those methods tend to be far less lethal. Well, let's talk about what New York State is doing in terms of prevention, suicide prevention. What, uh, what efforts are underway? Um, so New York State has really been recognized as a leader in suicide prevention across the country. Um, and, and I think we, um, uh, you know, while it's true, um, even New York, over the last two decades, the rate has been rising. We've been um, relatively flat level since 2012. And um, I'd like to think it's because of all the activities that we're doing. We're certainly trying to... Um, implement impactful suicide prevention programming. So we, we're very active in the suicide prevention space. Um, and the, the main areas where we're focusing is, um, first, uh, I would say, is the healthcare and behavioral healthcare kind of uh, space. Um, so I think it's important to uh, remember that even um, mental health services have not been explicitly designed to reduce suicide deaths. They've been designed to provide services for people with depression or schizophrenia or bipolar. So the work that's underway is often referred to as implementation of the zero suicide model. Um, and really um, what that boils down to is working with health and behavioral health care systems to fundamentally integrate, um, systematically integrate suicide prevention into the care that they provide. So we're doing that um, across the state. We've got a couple grants that uh, help fund this activity to support health systems in making those changes. Um, and there's a, a, a quite a bit of activity right there in Onondaga County, particularly with the Syracuse providers. Um, well, I wanted to ask Dr. Romanathan, I know she's been um, involved in the Attempted Suicide Short Intervention Program. Is, is that right? Can you tell right. us about that? Uh, ASIP is uh, a novel intervention for suicidality. Uh, it is delivered in three sessions. It's delivered over three sessions followed by letters. It's actually a part of the Zero Suicide Grant. Um, we've been working in the program. We've been implementing the program for the last uh, uh, one and a half years now um, and have worked with around 50 patients, right now, 50 individuals. <clears throat> Um, ASIP, is, uh, ASIP was developed in Switzerland and has one randomized control trial which um, showed um, an 80% reduction in reattempts 
in the ASAP arm as compared to the control arm. And there was a 72% reduction in hospitalization. So it's a pretty promising uh, program. So it, it seems effective in reducing repeated attempts. That is true. It is actually brief, effective, and very person-centered. The, the intervention is delivered in a very collaborative manner. This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Seether Ramanathan, a clinical instructor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences here at Upstate. And by telephone is Dr. Jay Carruthers, who's the director of suicide prevention in the State Office of Mental Health in Albany, and we're talking about suicide prevention. So I know you've got some targeted um, programs for high-risk populations. Can you talk to me about what you're doing for different high-risk populations? Um, sure. So I, I think there are, um, the, there are a number of programs that are addressing higher risk. Um, I, I think um, you, uh, ASAP is certainly one of them. Um, we know that those that have had a recent suicide attempt are at very high risk for dying by suicide. Um, uh, so uh, there's also uh, Upstate, uh, Dr. Robert Gregory at Upstate has a high-risk program. Um, so that's, those are outpatient services. Um, and um, uh, Dr. Ramanathan may actually know more about that program, but I think it's an important uh, piece there that's, that's local um, in Syracuse. Um, uh, more generally, the work that we're doing with healthcare providers is trying to identify those are at high risk and then uh, putting them on a care pathway. So um, it involves systematic screening, um, usually some sort of evidence-based intervention, uh, a brief intervention called the safety plan um, that's collaboratively developed with the patient, and then um, uh, monitoring, close monitoring in terms of if after they leave the hospital. Um, we know uh, a high-risk time is particularly the immediate time after people leave the hospital, um, after being admitted for an emergency room, uh, you know, after an emergency room visit or uh, being admitted for psychiatric services. So we try to provide uh, and encourage work with providers to um, engage patients in that high-risk time um, to reduce suicide deaths. I read that the New York State Health Foundation issued a report just uh, this month in January 2020 that showed veteran suicide rates are lower in New York State than the rest of the nation. Um, I wanted to ask why you think that is. If um, Do we have programs that target veterans specifically? Um, we, I, I think part of the, we, we are working to target veterans, and you're absolutely right. Um, uh, Veterans have a higher rate of suicide than the general population, but um, it's true that New York State has a lower rate than um, veteran suicide rate than the rest of the country. In fact, I think, again, we're um, uh, actually one other state, Hawaii, has a, a lower veteran suicide rate. So, And the re one of the reasons cited actually in, in the report that was put out by the Health Foundation that you referenced was um, that our veteran population is um, a little bit older um, than um, the average, and so um, they may be more removed from military service. Um, and so that um, it suggested that that in part plays a role. But even when you control for that factor, it seems New York State's um, rate is, is below the, the national average for veteran suicide rates. Um, so we are. Um, Engaging, we're working with Department of Veterans Services. It, it, it turns out that um, 
uh, oftentimes veterans are eligible for veteran services and they may not they may not be connected to those services and one of the things that has been established is that those that are not connected to VA services have a higher rate than those veterans that are so um, the first step is making sure that those who are eligible for services are connected connected to services um, financial distress also can be kind of a um, can be a factor so um, coming back uh, from deployment, uh, active military, that transition can be um, very difficult for some individuals who are trying to um, engage uh, veterans in that transition, provide more supports. Um, we're also doing a pilot uh, where um, early in trying to, to do a pilot that identifies um, veterans that are uh, undergoing financial distress that may feed into increased risk of suicide. So those are a few of the things that are currently being done for veterans. In terms of targeting younger uh, Americans, are you working with schools in any way to get at the students? We are, um, yeah. So there's a lot of work that's um, underway with schools. Um, we we provide kind of a host of trainings and try to meet schools where they're at. Um, and um, you know, New York has been a leader in mandating mental health education for students, and so. Um, and um, and so we've tried to provide uh, training, and um, you know we have very short, accessible trainings for school staff, um, uh, an hour, um, you know, kind of orientation, how to recognize the warning signs, uh, and we've trained about ten thousand people in that training across New York State school staff across um, over the last year. Um, and but um, that's that's kind of our briefest, most accessible training. But we we kind of run we have a full range, and then we have um, other trainings that are much more involved and require kind of a, a multi-year commitment for for um, schools um, to uh, one one of which is called Sources of Strength. So it's a strength-based uh, program uh, and trains peer leaders um, across the. Um, this is a high school level training. Um, so it, it identifies peer leaders, trains them, and it's all about increasing more effective coping um, and so resilience. Um, and part of what we know also is that those that um, students that, that don't have um, a trusted adult to go to when they're distressed, are that, that's a risk factor. So part of the training involves also training um uh, faculty and, and, and trusted adults that can participate in the project. Um, so, um, so there's a whole gamut of trainings that are available for schools across the state, and it's, it's a very active area um, for New York State. So what can you tell me about the Suicide Fatality Review Grant? Um, so that is a grant that we have with the New York State Health Foundation. It's a really interesting project. Um, we've got four pilot counties that are participating, um, Erie County, uh, Onondaga County, Westchester, and Suffolk. And we're working with um, medical examiner offices in, in all four of those counties. Um, and this work is really um, based on pioneering work that's been done um, in Oregon, um, in Washington County, Oregon. And really, there are two aspects to it. Um, what they found in Oregon, they did, they did two things that were really smart. Number one is that they, um, they collect um, really important information 
about um, the circumstances surrounding suicide death. Um, so their medical death investigators, when there's a suicide death, make sure they capture critical information um, around risk factors that led to the, the death. Um, and number two is they've assembled um, a group of community stakeholders to do in-depth um, fatality reviews. So the way it works is um, after someone dies by suicide, the medical examiner office would reach out to the legal next of kin and say, we've assembled this group um, that's um, trying to review deaths and prevent suicides in the future. Um, would you be willing to allow members of that group to freely share information solely for the purpose of preventing suicides in the future? And so if the legal next of kin agrees to that, they conduct these in-depth reviews. And between catching the critical information at the medical death investigations and what they learned in these doing these fatality reviews, um, a few patterns emerged in Oregon. Um, one was that several people who die by suicide, one of the last things they do is drop, drop their pets off at animal shelters. Really? So the Oregon team um, trained up staff at the animal shelters, and they've already intervened several times and connected um, people that came in uh, with, um, connected them to services. Another interesting finding uh, is that across different demographic groups, they couldn't figure it out, but um, several individuals were going to this one hotel in the county, and that's where they killed themselves. So again, they trained the front desk staff and housekeeping to recognize it, and they've intervened several times. The interesting part also is that other hotel owners started hearing about this, and they wanted the training. Uh, it, didn't, it wasn't a mandate. It just kind of word of mouth spread. Um, a final really interesting finding was that um, they, um, they identified in the medical death investigations, they noticed that eviction seemed to be, be a particularly powerful risk factor. Um, so several of the individuals that died had recently undergone eviction. And so they went to the county sheriff. They said, Sheriff, would you mind if, we, uh, if you passed out these flyers when you're serving legal eviction notices? And the sheriff said, I can do better than that. I'm going to send out a trained mental health counselor uh, with uh, law enforcement when we serve legal eviction notices. And they've virtually eliminated eviction uh, as a risk factor, uh, that, uh, which you don't hear in the suicide prevention field, that they eliminated risk factors. It's, so the, the beauty of the model is that it's very powerful. Um, it, it's empowering communities um, to use data to identify the touch points in the system that can be leveraged for prevention. So if you have a dollar of prevention, it's really hard to know where best to spend it. But this, you know, what, what Onondaga County finds may be different from what Erie County finds and Westchester and Suffolk. So that's the exciting part about this. That it really empowers communities to use their own data and figure out the touch points across the system that have the best chance of being leveraged to prevent suicide deaths. Is this review underway in Onondaga County already? Um, it's, they haven't done reviews. We've, um, we've, we're just finalizing um, things like uh, agreements to, to share data with my office. Um, and, um, but Onondaga has assembled their team, um, their suicide fatality review team. And um, we already have, uh, I think, in March and April, they're, they're, they'll be conducting their first reviews. 
Well, thank you to clinical instructor Dr. Sitha Ramanathan and also New York State Suicide Prevention Director Dr. Jay Carruthers. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.